You're listening to the Nomcast, a proud member of Forgotten Entertainment. Hello, and welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. All right, the Netflix award season contenders just keep on coming as we just covered passing on our last episode from just a few days ago. And now, off the top rope, straight from its debut as the opening night film for AFI Fest, comes Tick, Tick, Boom, the directorial debut for Lin-Manuel Miranda, is out on Netflix after a short run in theaters. And on today's show, we will give you everything you need to know going into the film, plus our initial thoughts, and of course, a bit of award season perspective as well. We will do all this with actor, comedian, and our resident theater adaptation expert, Mr. Kevin Dolan. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm super. I, I always like coming on this show because you, you give me the best intros. So <laughs> I always think I need you to be my my uh, my publicity agent. That's what it's that's what's amazing. And as I tell you every time, I would <laughs> gladly do so, sir. You are so much fun. I love talking to you. Like it's amazing. Even on the movies that you're not on, we end up in these conversations about some of these Netflix movies and you give me way more than even I knew. I feel silly for not having you on <laughs> for, for no, every single movie. That's all right. I'll just send you an invoice. It'll be totally fine. <laughs> there you go. Just making me smarter every day. Yeah. Kev. That's all I appreciate. And this movie in particular, you know, is of course one that I would circle uh, when it comes to you, because in the past, you know, we've covered, you know, uh, like the Ryan Murphy stuff before, you know, we covered the prom, right. the boys in the band, you know, right. and, and obviously you are a person who has a theater background. And for this movie in particular, you keep coming up with, you know, the best hope I can ask for where <laughs> I'm like, I'm just hoping that you're familiar maybe with it. You're like, I've seen it. I performed in it. I know yeah. this thing backwards and forwards. So if yeah. anyone is going to give you the proper perspective, it's you, sir. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I did the show in McKeesport, Pennsylvania. That's uh, <laughs> that's 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 the big venue that I did the show in. So yeah, it's uh, it's a great piece. It's an amazing, amazing piece. Yeah, and if Jonathan Larson thought the Berkshires was far to go to, he hasn't yeah. been to that part of Pennsylvania to perform. No, absolutely not. Yeah, he's uh, he's looking down, going, "Where? Where is that?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that is the off off Broadway performance yeah. oh, of my that goodness. one. Yeah. Uh huh. But I think he'd be proud regardless. Um, and, oh God! Yeah. But you did actually see this performed with the yes. Jonathan Larson uh, performance, yes. and. So I am desperate to talk about that because the interesting thing I thought about this movie was besides all the hoopla, you know, the, the Lin-Manuel mm -hmm. Miranda directorial thing, you got a big star playing Jonathan Larson and Andrew Garfield. But the interesting thing coming into it uh, or when you're sitting there and watching it is the structure of this film where it's the play Tick, Tick, Boom kind of on stage being performed Correct. by Garfield as Larson. You get Larson's reality leading up to this moment where he has right. this going on. And then also kind of this 
voiceover narrated documentary style footage that they would kind of cut into as well. So there's a lot going on and I actually thought it worked very well, but I'm interested because you just saw the street dope, the, just the the play on stage. How is that experience? and, And did it make you excited to see this film in particular? Oh, it was. I was. It was. I was really looking forward to it. But I also I looked at it with with some trepidation because I I had seen uh, Andrew Garfield do Angels in America, and I I know that he had he has really good presence and really good stage presence. But anyone who's ever who ever saw Jonathan on stage or even perform like in a uh, in a small he used to play his. Uh, his piano in different small clubs in the in the city. Mm. Uh, you, I was concerned that he couldn't capture him, but because Jonathan very much was like a big wind up toy, he had a big <laughs> key in his back, and one, and he would, he was just, he would just fill whatever space he was in. So no, it, it was, and I was not at all disappointed. Uh, I think the casting was brilliant, and I think he he Andrew Garfield really got a a good handle on uh on what jonathan was trying to achieve yeah it seemed like garfield's performance had larson on a spring you know which obviously if you think that is how he is they captured it perfectly and it's interesting that you bring up garfield being on angels in america because lin-manuel miranda casted him by seeing that particular performance Mm -hmm. and and then doing kind of like the the deeper work talking to a mutual friend who was like a massage therapist or a massage uh yeah some masseuse of some sort that was a mutual friend of him and garfield's and was like hey can he sing and they're like he has a voice of an angel so i was like and you wouldn't yeah and you wouldn't think so but it was he sings with such ease it's 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 brilliant and it's beautiful you know, just to watch him and to close your eyes and to listen to him because it, there were so many parts that I did that. And I'm like, yeah, he's got this. He's got this absolutely nailed. And if Jonathan were here, he'd be like, yeah, that guy has chops. I, I think that's fine. It would be like if Jonathan was having a bad day, he would call Andrew to step <laughs> in for him. You for know sure. what I mean? Yeah. He would be his good, he's his good standby. Yeah, they even caught his look well enough too, because I didn't fully know the With whole his hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. hair was a big deal, and yeah. and they really captured it well. Um, <laughs> I think the rest of the cast here too was brilliant. Um, you know, uh, Robin De Jesus was a was a person that we've talked about before because of yeah. the band, and he was great in that. And now he's coming in for another Netflix movie, just killing it. Um, another step up because it's a more meteor role. Um, that he really has to ride both lines, you know, trying to be, you know, the in the real world version and then, you know, kind of being who he is around Jonathan Larson, too, and, and right. playing both sides, plus the singing and everything else and, and, and some of the bigger numbers. So good on him as Michael um, Alexandra yeah. Ship as Susan uh, Vanessa Hutchins. You know, being one of the, the singers that he uses on stage and obviously in uh, so. Superbia, uh, thank super, you. Superbia, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, probably a lot of people he knows. Bradley Whitford, I know he worked with him on West Wing, so I don't know if they yes. have any kind of relationship from then. Judith Light, as you mentioned on this podcast before, is does so many plays that I can't imagine they didn't cross each other's paths. Richard She's, Kind's kind of the same way too. Oh my God! If for for uh, without going into specifics, the scene that his character plays while sitting next to Sondheim. 
Love it. Is absolutely, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. In a in a play that's that can be, I always considered Tick Tick Boom to be a play with songs, mm-hmm. uh, instead of just a straight musical. But to see his in that scene, which is very light and very funny, it really is spectacular. He does a great job. Yeah, and and. I, I was also very happy to see Black Thought in here, too, from The Roots yeah. um, as yeah, Hawk yes, Smooth. Yes. <laughs> His couple yes. scenes here and, and that one number <laughs> is tremendous. Um, it is. And, and, of course, this movie is also written by Stephen Lev- Levinson. I don't know how right. much you know about him, but he seems to be the guy now who is being tapped to adapt everything uh, as yeah. far as, like, uh, musicals or plays to, to the screen. Like, I know he's doing, like, that uh wonka prequel uh, the one with it, timothy chalamet yeah there? yeah so he's one of the writers on that he just did the writing job on dear evan hansen um and, which was a disaster but not his fault right exactly okay. the yeah. casting was and again it's hard to say the casting when the guy played the role but i mean it's yeah woo, fifteen thousand uh, years ago but that's okay moving on 100 <laughs> percent uh and i and i believe he has another one uh i think fiddler or something else that he's doing too. There's a bunch that he's got in in production. So uh, Good again, for him. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously the Lin Manuel Miranda of it all. Like he's obviously big off Hamilton, but this year in particular, this is his fourth project that he's been involved in. This one, I'm sure he might say he's the most proud between that and In the Heights. Um, but you know, because In the Heights is his, but it's not his mm-hmm. direction. And then this one is not his play, but it is his direction. So he's kind of playing right. all over the sandbox. And then he gets to dip in with doing the music for Vivo and Encanto. So doing a lot of animated right. stuff. So huge year for him. Uh, he's another one with a, with a key in his back. Yes, that's correct. Totally. And, yeah. and, and just prolific because you could be like, all right, I've had enough of the Lynn Monroe Moran, you could be sick of him after all that, right? Because especially after the Hamilton explosion, but sure. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm just no, not yet. No. I mean, ask me after Encanto, I guess, but like, you know, it seems to not bother me whatsoever. Um, well, but because, you know, Lynn does his main, his main goal and whatever he does is to infuse joy right. into whatever he does, which is really important, you know? For sure. And he succeeds. He usually succeeds. Yeah. And and unfortunately, speaking of success, I mean, Jonathan Larson, the tough part of seeing this come to fruition is, of course, that he passed away uh, from, from such a Killed me. tough thing. It was an aneurysm, correct? Like Killed an undiagnosed it was aneurysm. An aortic, it was an aortic aneurysm that ruptured the night before the first the first show, the first um, uh run through of of um, rent. rent yeah off broadway and yeah. uh awful because i saw rent about five shows in right and it was i then i saw it like a half a dozen other times like every other gay man in the world <laughs> we have that in our book sure we should see it at least three or four times but it was absolutely devastating absolutely devastating yeah and i you know, not knowing when exactly he died or the circumstances that specifically, I knew that he yeah. had passed away and what he had passed away from, but I didn't know, like, right then and there, like, how yeah. close he was to his success. This movie has a, and this play definitely has a different tilt 
once you know yeah. where his life went. And I think that's really the interesting extra layer that Lin-Manuel Miranda gets to play with that you didn't see when you saw the play uh, back and it's off Broadway days. Right. Right. And one of the things, and it's not giving anything away is um, when people see this film, there is a, there's a, uh, uh, a prop that's used that people should pay attention to, which was his little green notebook. Mm. Um, Jonathan listens to everything. Jonathan would listen to people talking. He would listen to, he would overhear things. He would uh, go for walks around the theater and just pick up things, even things that a lot of his friends said that he says, he said, hey, that's a really good line. And he would write it down. Right. And that's, that's one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons why this play is so personal and it's so successful is that it really was uh, every time he wrote something, it was an extension of himself. Yeah, essentially they Trojan horsed a biopic into this play because yes. it was such a personal play for him that he, that Manuel gets to, you know, Manuel Miranda gets to kind of play all the sides. And I thought yes. that was pretty inventive of how he brought that to the screen. Um, for anyone who doesn't know the story, uh, the, the story in this one is Jonathan Larson on the cusp of his 30th birthday is a promising young theater composer who navigates love, friendship, and the pressure to create something great before time runs out. And I'm sure, you know, in a, when you saw this for the first time, Kevin, maybe yeah. <laughs> you had a similar thought uh, at the time, but um, right now, I'm sure maybe in a way, you had maybe some of the experience that I had where I'm like, I'm 39. Uh, I've been doing, you know, I did stand up for 10 years. I've tried the film stuff. I'm doing this. Yeah. And, and I'm like, ah, 30. That's so quaint. I was just getting started <laughs> in stand up like around 28, 29. So I was like, yeah, I mean, I get the impulse and I definitely related to this. But at the same time, sure. I was like, 29, you're having a problem, buddy. But I, well, I do also I, have the, I, the Sondheim of it all where he w had so yeah. much success early. Well, and I'm 51, so that shows you exactly. I, I'm saying, listening to you, and I'm like, 39, shut up. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's the pressure that he put on himself, uh, just like any other artist. Yeah. Uh, but they put pressure on themselves to create and they could say out loud that, you know, creation doesn't happen on a timeline, but they, they, they want to create something where it will be considered their benchmark as well as their legacy. Mm. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. For sure. And you, and you see in this movie that he has extremely uh, substantial success and uh, devastating failure. Yeah. Um, and you had, he had to come up with a choice on how he could uh, go on after that. Yeah, and it's also the time period is perfect too, and and you get to see oh, that sure. without being too spoiler about it. But like, obviously his his background of you know knowing a lot of you know having a lot of homosexual friends, including his best yep. friend during the time of the AIDS crisis, and and being in theater is is all just extra dressing to kind of feel the pressure of doing something while you have time and, and there's so many songs in this particular play yeah. that uh go with that and obviously even the the name of it tick tick boom uh 
you know, amplifies that all over the place. Um, just before we get into our thoughts on it, two more things. Uh, previously written songs, Play Game and Swimming, uh, mm-hmm. are added into this film that were not part yes. of the original. So I don't know Correct. If, if they were in when you saw it back in its original no. heyday. I didn't see it. I didn't. Neither one of those when I saw it. Okay. And I guess. And I think one of the reasons why, especially swimming, was because it just was not. They you could sing that song, but you do need the atmosphere in order for it to make sense in 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 that show, in in a in a a movie version of it. It it wouldn't yeah. have worked on stage. Yeah, and I think there's some songs in here that I actually thought had the opposite effect, where I was like, that was probably really fun as the play, but maybe didn't work as well in the movie for the same uh, part, too. So we'll get to that once we get maybe like deeper into specifics. But um, also, I guess songs from the stage version that were cut were Sugar and See Her Uh Smile. See Her Smile was a really good piece. It was a really, it was a really beautiful show. It was a really really beautiful song but um they more than made up for its loss with uh with the other parts that they put into it yeah i absolutely agree um so without further ado i guess we'll start to to get into the the critical response and then our own critical response uh the initial score is kept i i am over the moon i'm i'm so happy for them imdb has this at 8.5 that's amazing yeah it is amazing for that for that yeah, that's really uh, yeah. high for them. And obviously, we'll see what happens once it gets on Netflix and where that fluctuates. But that's great out of the gate. Uh, tomato meters at 89%, audience at 93%, letterboxes at 4.0, all very strong. Metacritic at 74 is a little lower than I thought, um, but still. That's, it's just, just so weird. That's a very odd matrix that Metacritic. It, sometimes you, you read it and you're like, I don't know who's in charge. <laughs> Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. But no, it's, I think that that could also change, you but, know? But listen, Kev, we're in charge of this one. So let's get our uh, thoughts out there. Um, Correct. Now, you saw this in theaters the same way I did, and I'm glad yes. to do that because the experience of those big numbers, you want that in a big stereo yes. sound, the, the big play, the big numbers. And Absolutely. this, the interesting thing is that this is, like you said, it's, it's a play with songs versus like a musical. And I think that's why I thought this felt more approachable and grounded and definitely worked better for me. So when you saw this as a person knowing it, what were your initial thoughts after the the movie ended? I thought it was extremely organic the way that uh, Miranda did things. I think the, there was a, there was a certain ease to every song and it was um it was there was reason behind it there was uh an end goal behind it um which is very hard when you shoot a musical where everybody's singing every 12 seconds right um this is different and it was different when you saw it on stage it's um i I just thought it was uh it was heartbreaking, but it was beautiful and uplifting at the same time mm-hmm. because there's a couple of, and let me just say anyone who is a theater goer or a theater lover, um, there's a specific scene uh, that takes place in a diner. That's a uh, Sunday brunch mm-hmm. that is in and of itself worth the price of admission. 
given everyone who's at that diner. Yes. That one, that one uh, song just was, just was amazing. And it, it, it really, it really was. And I was, um, I, very few play, very few films do I stay to the end of the credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did because there were so many, some, some of my friends are in it. Some people that a friend of friends are in it. Uh, and it just, it just made me want to go back again because there were so many things that I missed uh, that I would like to see again, which I'll probably see when it when it comes on Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. I I echo a lot of those sentiments, and it's okay. Just tell everybody your close personal friends with Judith Light. It's okay, man. You yeah, know, well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she didn't get me into opening night though, so that's okay. Yeah, you'll hear about that at a at a later date. <laughs> but that's okay. And yeah. and to me, I'm like... not bitter. I'm not bitter. <laughs> As as I mentioned to you before, though, Kevin, like I'm a person who's not huge into musicals and my wife couldn't be happier to hear me playing the songs from a movie I saw the night before. I played it on the on the ride home. They only Uh had two songs on Spotify and I played them both, you know, on the way home from the movie, Uh, you know, and I am not that person when it comes to musicals. And like I said, it just, you know, it fits so perfectly. Uh, the way Lin Manuel Miranda, just like you said, the way he interweaved those three different uh, styles of telling this story so yeah. perfectly, it, you it breathed it, it breathed so much life into a play that people oh, yeah. told me, uh, you know, maybe yourself not included, was not Larson's best. Obviously, like Rent no, is his big thing. No, but what's interesting, and I don't know if you've ever seen Rent, but live, well, no, um, I have not. Some of the orchestrations that he used in suburbia is uh, you can close your eyes and you can hear intros to certain songs in rent. Yeah. There are, there are, there are, are, I would say probably three or four different ones where that's a lead in for, you know, one song glory, or that's a, that's a, that's a lead into 525,600 minutes. There's just, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of music. And there's not to say that, some of the songs that he wrote for that specific show could probably very easily stand on their own mm-hmm. yeah, as a, as a show today. But in the nineties, no, no one was going to, as, as people say, no one's going to want to listen to music about robots and spaceships. <laughs> yes. You know what I Although- mean? Although interestingly, it might make an uh, an interesting movie if they really kind of put that together. I'd be you know, and if, if Ryan they could Murphy gets it. his hold on it, yeah, let Ryan Murphy do it. He does everything else. Just let him just <laughs> grab, let him grab it. He'll 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 figure it out for sure. Um, yeah, but uh, Kev, I I I was I was emotional with this movie. Like I, yeah. by the end, it gets very uh, tough to not you know, like shed a tear towards the end. I mean, especially yeah. when you know where his life is heading. Um, and, and obviously the, the extra layer of what's going on with his friends and his relationships, like they do a really good job of pushing everything to a breaking point and then just kind of letting reality release and, and kind of get to where his life moves at the end i thought that was really well constructed um it was one of those movies where i literally i wanted to call friends i hadn't spoke to in a while yeah i I wanted to quit this podcast i wanted to buy a new notebook i was i was saddened and inspired at the same time i felt like i knew him 
by the end yeah. of the movie, and obviously that's the Garfield portrayal right there. Which if mm-hmm. if I see he is magnetic. If if he isn't up for best actor, I don't get it. I really well, don't just, get it. Let me just tell you what's important for any of your listeners or anybody who sees this sh- this movie. Um, you have to allow yourself to be pissed off at Jonathan because mm. sometimes he acts like an asshole. Right. <laughs> if I could say that on your podcast, I do apologize. No, yeah, absolutely. If you Please. Want, where you sit there and you're like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? You're You're okay to feel that way because... He's like that that protagonist that will learn his lesson, yeah. but he has to get knocked around a few times to realize that maybe, yeah, maybe that was a dick move in yeah. certain cases. You know oh. what I mean? Oh, yeah, because the one thing that you and I both know very well is trying to find life balance while also chasing dreams is yeah. one of the hardest things, especially in America where like, you know, there's some European countries or whatever where you're like, oh, I can go for a grant and I can live my life while yeah. also trying to explore thoughts and, and be an artist and it makes life a little easier. In America, hell no. You are constantly just going, am I a sellout if I'm trying to feed myself and clothe myself and let, put a roof over my say, head? Let me just say this one thing, and it's not a giveaway for anything. There's a spectacular line where Jonathan is having a discussion with someone about his need to make art. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, making art is expensive. Yes. And Susan says, no, making making art is expensive here, which is New York. Absolutely. And she's absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Yeah, because rents are out of control. And and that's why even though, you know, I was never uh, a quote, bohemian or an artist or any Uh of that stuff in new york proper i think a lot of times you can resonate with that in any form of art when they're when they're doing that uh bohemian song in in the second one like all that stuff is half my friends or like anyone who chased a dream or anyone who went to film school or anyone like there's so many stories of like people living in their car or with like five roommates or you know in yeah. these completely unsafe environments, or at least, you know, uh, any that, day that, now, the rug could be pulled out from you. Well, and that, you know, where he says, you know, you, you're used to waking up in the morning and stepping over to the guy that's sleeping on the floor. Yes. That is absolutely correct. 100%. When I was in my 20s, absolutely, that's what it was. And you didn't at all feel unsafe or, or, or angry or anything because you were all in this this little creative yurt yeah that that really that was that nurtured you that fed you you yeah. sometimes didn't get fed uh physically but you artistically you were always getting fed yeah and even obviously now we're in the in the thick of the union stuff and everything else pushing back on oh. how much time in a day and everything else but yeah. i'll tell you for for some days where I was making like nothing or a hundred dollars max in a day, working sixteen yeah. hours and being you know treated like a peasant was some of my favorite yeah. days ever. Oh, sure, <laughs> and and that's what nobody will understand in your life if they're not also doing the same thing because well, I mean, it, it's straight up abuse to some people. <laughs> oh yeah, you're shooting you're shooting a film for you know sixteen hours a day, mm-hmm. but during that time when you're not in front of the camera 
you're um, talking about movies or or playing a movie sort of game with yep. a bunch of other extras, or you're playing cards with one of the leads, or you're uh, you know uh, playing tag on the back lot. Yeah, adult people doing it was just it was just pure joy. You didn't yeah. you didn't you didn't really notice that you were exhausted until you went home. And when yeah. you left set or when you left the theater, that's when the the the, the little gaping maw started to eat at you because you uh -huh. weren't doing what you liked yeah. and what you loved. So, yeah. No, gets and, it. and this movie gets it. And, and he oh, got yeah. it in space. So, like, the, the fact that they can capture all of that, plus really tell his story well inside and out of the play – it's it's an incredible construction, especially I would never think that this was his first movie, uh, Lin Manuel no. Miranda. Good on no. him that yeah. you know he knew this play well enough and knew the construction of a musical well enough that maybe this is an easier entry for him. But no way is it ever easy to make a movie musical well, in, or a play the, with songs at all. One of the, the great things about him was um, the um, Hamilton started at the public. And the public theater really is uh, the epitome of a workshop theater. Mm -hmm. So he 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 started from from the bottom where he listened and he learned, uh, you know, to have you know the ghosts of Joe Pat, you know, <laughs> helping him along the way. And if you ever saw a show, and I recommend anybody who is around, I know the the public just reopened. Mm -hmm. uh, go see. Even if you're like, oh, God, I never even heard of this play. Go see it because the public, number one, is cost effective. Number two, it is a pure, purely artistic playground. So it's 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 where they find the people that are not well known, but they have amazing talent. So that's where Lin-Manuel got his got his start. Uh, and it's obvious that he, he learned and he, he's he's willing to, to share everything that he that, that he absorbed yeah absolutely i mean there's so many things with the the theater of it all i i think for people who truly love not only the player just love going to plays or or have been in your background of acting and all these yeah. things and really get into it you get all the easter eggs in this movie you get all the the extra things in terms of locations and people and things that maybe sure. I didn't. Um, but I will say one of the most surprising things for me is that I am not that person, but I, I felt the music doesn't feel entirely forced for most of the movie. No, and that is incredibly impressive. There's a couple of numbers that feel out of place or put on like mm -hmm. maybe that appeal more to someone like yourself that maybe I felt a little distance. Correct. From. Um, one of the ones uh, like, like therapy, I thought the scene itself was good, but intercutting right. with the song, I thought the song didn't add to the movie as much sure. as the scene could have. And then Sunday brunch, which you like so much, I thought that was like it, more it filler. Is not that I have to tell you, when you see it, it's almost like it's a music video for for the song. Yes. And you have to this this that song is purely for um, any theater kid, uh, any theater uh, like Maven, uh, certainly any gay man in the world will sit there and go, oh my God, there's four three of the major divas in that into that show. And it's 
that's just one of the once again in the rule book. But there's just so <laughs> many slight nods when I mean he has he has the Skyler sisters sitting at the at the at the at the uh, at the counter mm. from Hamilton. That's a you're like. I actually said, "Are you freaking kidding me?" Out loud. <laughs> there were only four people in my theater in my theater when I saw it, but I said it out loud because that was like, "Oh my God! Look who and look who's sitting there asking for his check." I mean, it's just yeah, it's it's real. It's a great thing, but like you said, it's not. When you saw it on stage, it was they. He didn't have any of his uh, any of the 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 cameos, and it just showed the frenetic pace of having to deal with your life while having to deal with your art, while having to deal with the fact that you have to serve brunch to a bunch of idiots every Sunday uh, who, who could, as he says, could eat cheaper at home. And it's just, it, it, it shows the, the stress and not so much the glamour of it. So oh, I, I understand sure. your point in that, yeah. And listen, I don't need to be a theater kid or gay to be like, hey, yeah. Bernadette Peters, holy Peters. shit. <laughs> And I mean, I, I mean, Cheetah Rivera with that Alexis Colby hat drinking champagne. I mean, that's a big deal. Right. OK, that's like, oh, that's awesome. You know, and that is something that I will rewind and watch, you know, this weekend 19 times. Right. So, yeah. But I mean, overall, the numbers actually did add depth to scenes and Absolutely. just add like a fun Very dynamic. Organic. Yeah. yeah. Very organic. It's, when he when, when he's he's having his. uh uh, his, his private time with his friend who just got this awesome apartment. I mean, it's a big deal, yeah. you know, and you sit back and you go, I remember when I got my first apartment that wasn't absolutely disgusting. <laughs> yeah. It was like you were, you were, you, you were one of the Vanderbilts, even though you weren't, it was a studio apartment that was $2,300 a month, but <laughs> there weren't anything crawling on the walls and the water worked. So yeah. it was a big deal. Uh huh. You know? <laughs> no, for sure. And, and the and the things I like too. The '90s of it all was oh was also not to be understated. Like the use of home video, the montages yeah. screamed like late '80s, early and, '90s and movies. What was really brilliant was, um, it wasn't like a 2021 movie trying to be 1995. Thank you. Yes, it felt like it was 1995 in the the um, the the type of film that was used, the way the lighting was done. Um, you felt like, and even the way that he shot the exteriors, where you walked down, uh, you know, anyone who was in New York in the 90s remembered the peep shows on 42nd Street, and it was grimy and it was dirty and it was a mess, but it was it was it was New York. That was like awesome, you know. Yeah, um, and he made it. He made it seem uh, organic and and effortless. And and I believe me, I know it was a different kind of a movie. But if you looked at like say Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, and they tried to make nineteen eighty four, and it was just painful to see and to watch. Yeah, this wasn't. This was like, oh my god, I remember that camera store on Seventh Avenue. That's where I used to get my porn, five for ten dollars. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because uh -huh. they would have it in the window. You know what I mean? So it was like, I remember doing that stuff. And it was, it, it really was, uh, it was really beautiful kinds of nostalgia. 
Yeah, it was interesting. It's almost like I was watching a play musical like at the same time period as like reality yes. bites. It had like a yes. very much a similar vibe. It, it it's a very impressive to get that kind of aesthetic to come through, especially a lot of times it's hard for a Netflix movie to do that cuz a lot of times they're like we need you to shoot digital, we need you to shoot it this yeah. way. And oh, and this I thought had no problems moving back no. and forth and and adding a lot of like production design and costume little tidbits to just feel like you're in that moment. And I think it's because <laughs> I, I I mean this with all love because we've all uh-huh. gone through it, especially artists. When you're poor, time yeah. stands still. Like it's it's it, if you really <laughs> feel that time period, you don't have to this isn't the late eighties, early nineties where no. it's like, hey, let's put some hammer pants on somebody or whatever. It's like no 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 no. Poor is poor. You look poor. like you're poor. <laughs> so like yeah. it it's not, oh look at this person had the Nikes from nineteen eighty nine. No, no, no. No one cares. This is <laughs> this is just I'm trying to live goodwill chic you know, whatever yeah. I can pull out of a dumpster and try to keep living. That's what well, you're talking about. But also in looked, the 80s, 90s of it. Yeah, when you looked at the apartments and you said to yourself, absolutely, without a a shadow of a doubt, whoever was the was the set designer, yeah, I would not be surprised if they went and they pulled stuff off the curb. Because yeah. that's how you just, that's how you, you furnished your, your, your apartment with the crap that nobody wanted. And what was also amazing was when you look at the, the open slits in the floor, Mm -hmm. that that's exact. When you're in a five floor walk up, as you go up those stairs, the walls and the (laughs) ceilings got thinner and thinner, but that was, and it was, it was so perfect. And like when he loses his power, and he's on the phone begging for someone to please, please put it on for one more hour. Right. We have all done that. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was really, I was, I was very impressed by the whole, the whole experience was wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I'm sure you can kind of tell everybody like, this is a love fest going on. And I, yeah. I this honestly, it woke me up. Kev, because like this time of year should be the movies when we're like seeing all the the best of the best. It's the end of the year when all the Oscar films come out and everything else. But I was sleepwalking for a lot of 2021 where I was like, yeah, that's fine. This is good, I guess, you know, kind of just meandering through. And this was like, okay, I'm locked in now. Let's do this. And uh, the tough part is, uh, you know, because after this break, Kev, I really want to get into the Oscars and award season of it all sure. because I haven't heard this movie spoken as much as I think it should. So maybe the campaign starts here. So we'll take a break sure. and we'll come back okay. and we'll talk about that. Hey there, I'm Mr. Black and I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together, we host the Pint O Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. 
All right, Kev, the love fest is, <laughs> I guess, still going on. But, sure. you know, I, I will say we'll, we'll tamper it down just so we can kind of put the lens of the Oscars and award season on this movie. Because, Correct. you know, the, the way I felt coming out of that movie, you could have been like, so all the nominations, all the nominations. We're good. Sure. Um, but in reality, um, I do worry for this movie a little bit, not only because it's going to be fed through you know, the award season machine, but also the Netflix of it all, where they have several movies that they're going to go to bat for, presumably, with, uh, you know, The Lost Daughter, Don't Look Up. You know, they got a Sandra Bullock movie with Viola Davis in it coming out, The Unforgivable. You got Mm -hmm. Power of the Dog, which is was mentioned as maybe the best film of the year to some people. So, like, you got a lot of things coming up where I'm hoping, beyond hope, that this doesn't get lost in the shuffle. And I think it's big enough i guess to hopefully keep going but here's my big concern and i wonder if you could talk me off the ledge okay a musical with Mm -hmm. no real like flashy costumes makeup and production design that's gonna like possibly be on the list especially in a year with something like dune and all these bigger Mm -hmm. movies of those things in the way that A lot of the musicals that succeed very well, like a La La Land or Chicago, is going to be all over that. They're going to be up for best score. They're going to be up for best original song. They're going to be up for, you know, uh, production design and costume design and all these things. Where this one, because it's so grounded, that I wonder if it's going to have less support uh, going into some of these. And I think the best they can hope for is to get something like, the a star is born uh, uh-huh. response from the guilds so where do you see this one hopefully landing and do you think it can survive being kind of a more modest uh in reality you know kind of musical well i you know i used to have a better handle on an award show season than i than i than i do now because uh, after a, a few years went by i i literally was non uh, nonplussed by what they considered to be acceptable films and acceptable nominations sure. I, I i have spent a lot of time going i i don't see it um but in this case it's all going to boil down to the voters mm-hmm. uh, i do see um uh garfield probably securing a nomination I don't see it. Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to have a bit of a uphill climb because yeah. of the problems that he had, the backlash that he had with In the Heights, which still may be fresh in people's minds. Um, hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it, it all de- it depends upon who's doing the voting. If it's yeah. the old cranky white guys, then probably it won't get the attention it deserves. Uh, if it's the newer blood uh, who may have been raised with rent and who know or knew of or know of Jonathan Larson, then he might be lucky. Um, There are a couple of spectacular numbers in the show. I don't foresee them to have original uh, music. The original song, I don't, I don't think would is going to, is it's going to work, but it might. Um, But it's, it's all going to, I think I'll, uh, we'll have a better sense of things once we see what kind of response it gets when it starts on Friday on Netflix. Yeah, agreed. Do you know if there's a lot of crossover with the voting body with also like theater? 
Like, I mean, it tends to be a, a, a similar, not you know, crossover well, event, see, but I, I don't know anymore. Well, I, because I'm a member of Actors' Equity and the Screen Actors Guild. Right. And that's because you had to do that in order to perform on a stage or in front of a camera. That's what you had to do. Right. Um, the only vote, I am a voting member of the, for the SAG Awards. I'm not a voting member for the Tony Awards. Right. So it all depends on, it depends on, on who, uh, who, who's, who's going to be cast in those ballots. Um, I, I would say, and once again, math is not my strong suit, but I think <laughs> there's probably a 30 to 35 to 45% overlap mm-hmm. between theater people and, and movie people. Right. Um, you know, and that, that 35%, 45% includes the people that are behind the cameras, the directors, the producers, the, uh, the cinematographers, stuff like that. Right. So that's that the, as opposed to, I would say 20, probably maybe 10 to 15% being actual, uh, actors and actresses. So it's, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a very, it's going to be sketchy to see exactly what, what, what how it all plays out. And I think a lot of people are still getting used to this idea of, you know, the streaming services actually considered, you know, Academy Award uh, worthy. You know, I think, you know, this is going to be like the third or fourth year that it's happening. But I think there's still a lot of people that are like, God, that doesn't seem right. You know right. what I mean? That sounds like a TV, it still seems like a TV movie. And that, of course, is the old white guy attitude. Oh, that's a that's a television movie. Why don't my dad know you have to worry about that with the Emmys? You know what I mean? So it's right. it's weird. It's a weird situation. I also am fearful for them because they don't get a second life, a late second life out of the Golden Globes this year either. No, they don't. The Golden Globes having that musical comedy category usually tends to go in favor of whatever the best musical is, if there is one. And I mean, you saw even you know, with how many issues we have with the prom, the prom got multiple nominations out of the Golden Globes to kind of, you know, put, yeah. p- put people having that back on the radar again, even just for a little while. And this one, I mean, if it won and, you know, tried to be in in that same circle again with some of these other, uh, you know, heavy dramas and trying to really compete one for one, at least that can have a prayer in a very, very long award season because you're yeah. talking the Oscars are until the end of March, I believe. Um, so yeah. it's tough. Well, and you know, the other thing is I don't even know what the golden globes are going to look like this year oh, because it's be they, online. Have, they yeah. have had such, it's been such a disaster. And I'm not saying that it's, they don't deserve the trauma that they, you know, brought down on themselves For sure. because of the way that they did their, you know, they, they operated their, their, uh, you know what they how they how they handle things uh but uh, i honestly don't know i don't know i don't think that's going to be you know there used to be a a situation where if you saw the screen actors guild awards and the and the golden globes you could pretty much assume that it's going to be a trifecta for the acting nod right um so but it's i i I don't know if that's going to be the case now yeah. I think this. I think this type of a movie uh, w- would do brilliantly at the SAG Awards and at the Golden Globes. I think yeah. the Oscars might be a hurdle for him. I agree. I agree. Uh, and but I I would hope, you know, Best Actor for Garfield. I think he can get nominated. 
I would, sure. uh, but right now everyone's just basically, you know, putting almost in pen uh, Will Smith for King Richard, and so it's going to be tough to knock off that big of a star. I if, know, if, uh, especially it gets that whole, you know, it's his time thing going on. So, oh, you know, I know, because yeah. he he's got to be what in his fifties now. Oh yeah, he's in his fifties. Yeah, he's in his fifties. So, I mean, yeah. Andrew Garfield being, you know, around probably his early 30s, maybe, at best. I think he's 32, 33. Yeah. I, I, think, I wouldn't put him up any older than that. Yeah. So, I mean, even though he's had a few other, you know, really strong performances in films that have landed him in awards contention before, I sure. think this one might be like, all right, next time, kid. You know, like, and, and kind of maybe put him on the sidelines a little well, bit but to me I, I would put him in i think he will if he doesn't get the the um the attention he deserves from from the academy he could go back to the movie when there's an issue with superbia and it's not getting the attraction that he hoped yeah and rosa gets on the phone with him and says everybody's speaking so brilliantly and they loved it. They can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Yes. So that's could be something that he has to face, but I mean, he'll have the resilience and he'll certainly have the cred to do it because what he was able to achieve in this, uh, in this piece is, is something he should be very proud of. And I think Jonathan, if you were around, you would be very proud of it. I absolutely agree. And, and the one thing that I also thought about, which I haven't said very often with a Netflix movie, this might be yeah. what their most rewatchable movie they've had in a very long time. I think because, sure. like, they get a lot of rewatch value out of maybe stuff that's meant for younger audiences, mm-hmm. like people rewatch, you know, uh, The Kissing Booth or Stranger yeah. Things or things like that, you know, something aimed for a younger audience because well, that's what those audiences yeah. do. But for adults, I think this is the closest thing they're going to get to something where people can watch this three, four times in the weekend and they'll just do it to have the songs on in the background. It's yeah, it's like keeping a uh, your favorite album on repeat. Yes, is exactly what that's like. Yeah. But that's not what the problem was or or anything oh, I they can't did in the even. Past. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Oh, no, I, I don't even. <laughs> it's like. Prom is like a, a really theatrical version of PTSD. I don't even want to. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. So uh, I guess just around the Oscar lens thing, uh, you know, I, I hope for Garfield. I think it has a very small chance, but it'd be interesting if best adapted screenplay comes through because I think they did I such a good a job uh, with yeah, adapting this. Well, I think, and one of the reasons why I think that's a possibility is because it's so true uh to the source material yeah it is there was there was very little change there were very few changes to the source material mm-hmm. um and i think that's that's to lin-manuel's credit because he did um form this movie as as we said before um a a movie within a movie a yeah. story within a story which if he did tick tick boom as a strictly filmed version of that show. Yeah. He would not have been even half as successful. No, I don't think so at all. 
and, yeah. and another thing, so to me, if you want things to look out for, if you see this movie starting to get things like best editing or best mm-hmm. sound editing because of the way mm-hmm. they did the musical numbers, if you start seeing mm-hmm. those things and maybe even adapted screenplay, this movie has a real shot to get Garfield and Best Picture and all the things that yeah. this could deserve. Um, but And that's where kind of the, the boxes got ticked off yeah. for A Star is Born, which is probably yeah. like closer to, you know, than, say, La La Land or Chicago. This is more of like a grounded thing where the songs matter. Um, and A Star is Born is probably the last one that got that, and that got a lot of nominations. Um, right. And But, again, it's because Shallow was such a big hit. And, right. and and the star power of Gaga and oh, Bradley sure. Cooper. But this movie is all Garfield. You know, uh-huh. so, so, you know, the fact but that it's not spread out too about much. It, what's wonderful about it is that even though it's all about him, the way that he's able to act in this movie he, is he spreads his talent so that he plays off of everyone else. He does his best to make sure everyone else who's in a scene with him gets their time which is incredible for a performer to be able to do that yeah absolutely and and to me robin de jesus is the person who i would put next in line i've seen some best supporting stuff for him if they submit the scene uh where he's in his office yeah uh and he we're in spoiler territory kev go for it no, no, no. Well, when he's in that scene and he's talking about what he's facing, um, that's a gut punch. It's an absolute gun, gut punch. Yeah. But that scene is is really meaty. So people who watch that before they before they um, vote, I yeah. think, will will really come through for him. But once again, it's all going to be depending dependent upon who else is nominated. And the, the, the big thing that I think is going to be a, a huge, you know, everybody's going to jump on the bandwagon is going to be House of Gucci um, because there's mm-hmm. talk about star, pay, star power. And yeah, the, I, the earlier reviews are not great, though, Kev. So we'll see no, I know. But the, yeah. the media push, the media push that is is around that. I mean, it could be once again, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I will see to it. I I will go to see it, and I'll wear my oh Gucci sure because it's the only one. It's the only thing Gucci that I own, and they're <laughs> about fifteen years old. But um, once again, it could be everybody jumping on. Oh my God, isn't it fantastic? It it's it all depends. Like I said, boils down to whoever is 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 sealing those balance and mailing them in. You know, or yeah. emailing them in. Yeah, and and that'll be interesting because I think. Part of the reason maybe you're saying House of Gucci is that because there are so many big time ensemble movies this year, and that's yeah. where something like this movie might get sucked out of a SAG nomination or get sucked sure. out of, you know, like those big ensemble uh, awards. You know, this movie, right. I thought because it got such a late start with uh, premiering at AFI, that I think it could have been nominated in some other areas or some other. Uh, you know, festival stuff, or or yeah. even just the, like like the Gotham Awards just came out. You know, we'll sure. see. I don't know if it would have been uh, in their wheelhouse, but I mean, come on, the Gotham's who are praising everything New York. That was a red flag to me when I thought if this film was eligible and right. it, and and it was going into the Gotham's. This movie is about a New York, a famous New York playwright, and we're not yeah. gonna have that 
be front and center. So that was a red flag for me, but I, I just think it wasn't eligible because it didn't premiere until last week. Right. So yeah, I, I think, it, yeah, it, it all came down to the calendar. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, which is wild, yeah. Gotham Awards, for going so early when the Oscars are not until late March. Um, but, you know, uh, independent film, uh, independent spirits, if this does really well oh, there, the Spirit if it's Awards, available. They will, they will fully embrace this movie. The, yeah. the Spirit Awards will fully embrace it. Anybody who wants Lin-Manuel Miranda at your award show, do it. Like, why yeah. wouldn't you not? He's one of the biggest stars in the world. Like, yeah. just do it already, especially if you're not going to have him there for something like Encanto. Or, uh, in the yeah. Heights, unfortunately, lost so much steam. Like you said, they had that controversy and everything else. Maybe this is like the reclamation just, project and easier yeah. for people to digest. And honestly, it's a way better movie. Like for me, um, yeah, I think the, it's problem, a, the other one's flashier, but this one I thought was just a better movie. Well, and let me tell you, if if he had that just shows and it, it shows you how once again, he learns and he uh, improves and he always shoots to make his life better and make his his uh, his creations better. If he had formed that movie in a different way. I think he would have been more successful. If you had seen that movie on stage, if you'd seen In Nights on stage, um, it didn't need the splashy, literally the one like in the pool. Um, <laughs> yeah, although need, that's my favorite scene, the whole thing. No, don't get me wrong. It was fun. It was great. But it didn't, it wasn't necessary on the stage. Because on the stage, it was more intimate and it was all about the people. It was all about the neighbors and the neighborhood. And that, I think if he had done it differently, may have might have been better for him but once again he he learned and he grew and that's how what else can you ask of a of an artist you know well i also think kevin like john Chu is the person who's ultimately in control of in the heights you know because yes. he's directing yes. it and and you maybe he correct. doesn't have that kind of musical background to equal a miranda and even though this is uh, his directorial debut, I think Lin-Manuel Miranda is the guy you want to to really put the life into a musical yes. like this. Yes. Now, here's another uh, possible, and I just, I don't know the release date, but um, Spielberg's West Side Story. Yeah. That, that could be another thing that could be problematic with this movie. Yep. You know uh, what I mean? Ansel Elgort, uh, right, is the, Ansel, is the yeah, controversy there? Yeah. Yes, correct. And but that was, you know, there. I am a very, um, I'm a purist when it comes to that show, um, uh, and that are. movie. I I really didn't. I thought it was damn close to perfection when uh, they filmed it the first time. So I don't. But if it was anybody but Spielberg, I would probably say this is going to be an absolute disaster. Yeah. But and it still might be. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I don't, I don't really foresee it as being a disaster. But it may not be as spectacular as as anyone hopes it to be, you know. Yeah, I'm a giant Spielberg fan, and I got to say, the trailers haven't really grabbed me, and and there are almost certain spots where it actually kind of makes me in a 21st century way, or at least a 2021 yes. lens, kind of cringe. And I know, in a way, it's supposed to, but. Yeah, no, no, no. You're you're right. So, but that's once again, it's a New York, it's a period New York musical. Yes, 
so that's that that and I I'm a, and of course that's where the similarity similarities end. Right. But it is a New York based period musical. Yeah. So that that's that's another bit of competition that he could, you know, have to worry about. Yeah, for sure. And we'll see where it goes. Like you said, you know, it's still early, but it's late. It's weird. Like we're all just going to get these back to back to back to back where we'll be drowning, hopefully in good music, uh, good movies to end the year. But it's just definitely it's a it's an onslaught we're about to go through. And and my podcast is no different. So, uh, guys, first and foremost, if you haven't seen this movie, see this movie. It's incredible. It might be my favorite of the year. Like and I've seen a truckload of movies this year already, and it's and ho- hopefully it going to get better. And it does not feel like a two hours and two minutes or whatever it runs. The runtime, it, it actually does. It moves so seamlessly and so beautifully. Uh, you won't even you won't even realize that it's going to be the end of the movie when you see it. So no. it's it's really it's really absolutely it's it's definitely something that everybody should say. Absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it better. And thank you so much for being on here, Kev. And I, I hope and I hope my audience will stick around because, man, we got Holly Berry's bruise next week. We got, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, other ones, like I said, about like, Power of the Dog, uh, The Unforgivable, uh, The Lost Daughter, Hand of God, like so many other. And Don't Look Up, which just had its latest trailer uh from adam mckay and leonardo dicaprio and all that stuff so wow guys we got so much to talk about uh and and we're gonna keep this oscar lens thing going on uh throughout the rest of the year but thanks again kev for coming on and talking with me and you always add that extra dimension that i can't do (laughs) well that's no problem that's what i'm here for give me a call that's what i'm here thanks kev we'll see you next time okay absolutely